You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. And so, yeah, I changed my schedule, thought, do you know what? I think God wants us to speak about rest. Is everyone all right with that this morning, rest? Does that sound fun? <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds nice. You don't get to sleep in my sermon if you sleep in my sermon. That's not what I mean. Um, but yes, good, good point. So no resting, no feet on the back of the things, and, but we'll, we'll talk about rest. And, so, um, and we're going to talk about godly rest. Uh, and, and I guess this morning I want to talk about a practice. Over the next few years, months, every now and then I want to speak about a practice of Jesus. Um, Jesus doesn't ask us to perform but he does ask us to practice. We're not doing things to please him. We're doing things because he's already done everything and we want to walk in his footsteps. So it's not earning, it's effort, it's not performing, it's practicing. And Jesus did these certain things, preached on certain things and said multiple times, let's practice the ways of Jesus. So let me read here, if you've got your Bibles, um, if you've got any device that can look this up, we're going to look at Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 4. I'll give you just a moment to um, find that. It will come up there, obviously, as well. Hebrews 4, just chapter 1. Let me read. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he said, when a long time after he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from him. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Super simple verse this morning. You're probably sitting there going, we don't need a sermon on that. That makes sense. Maybe it does. If it does, then chat, come chat to me because I'd love to have you preach. Because <laughs> as I looked through that verse, I was like, what? I know there's a lot of word, the word rest comes up a lot. That's about it. That's about when I first read through that, I was like, okay, I get that this is about rest. Um, but what is going on? Uh, and Hebrew, the whole, if you've read the book of Hebrews, it's all like this. And what it does, the reason actually you can read that, and if you're like me, go, 
What's that about? Is because they're using local language. They're using language that the Hebrews understand. Um, it's like if I got up here and me and Josh were saying, man, did you, I said, look, did you see me get that gnarly barrel the other weekend? And Mick, and, and we said, oh, I just got on my, I hang tend. We would know what I'm talking about because we're hardcore surfers. The rest of you would be like, what, is they, what are they talking about? Because um, that's local language. And if they're laughing because that's not local language, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But if those two talked, they'd bring up a culture of language. And that's what's happening in Hebrews. They're also talking about stories that they know. Not just Bible stories, but stories that are their stories. For example, if I was to say, I saw this picture last week and it was vibrant, like Neil's shirt. Most of the part of the community would laugh because that's our story. If you're new this morning, you'd be like, what's going on? What do you mean? Have a look at Neil's shirt and then you understand. But that's our story. Neil wears these vibrant, colourful shirts. We understand that. And so I would use that to explain something. And it's the same with this passage. When explaining rest, godly rest, they're using stories. Using stories to explain. And I want to dig into three stories this morning. That's it. Three stories out of this passage and explain why they're referenced and what they have to do with godly rest. First of all, I want to show you what I'm not talking about this morning. Just some pictures up there, Miriam, I believe, hopefully. When we talk about godly rest, a part of this is this, but this is only kind of a cheaper version of what we're actually talking about. We're not talking about a day off. That's different, that's good, but it's not what we're talking about necessarily. We're not talking about that crashing at the end of your day or at your desk. I'm just so exhausted, I need to crash. That doesn't fully capture what I'm talking about when I use the word rest. And we're not even necessarily talking about leisure, watching your favourite movie. That is part of it, but it's not what I'm talking about. It's not the depth of God-given, godly-designed rest. And these three stories hopefully today will help us understand the depth on which we as Christians, if we know Jesus, can enter that rest. First story is Genesis. It references Genesis. It goes right to the beginning of the Bible and it says, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Chapter two of the Bible And it talks about rest. In the creation story, pre-fall, pre-sin, pre-corruption, pre-us, oh no, after us, sorry. (laughs) God does what? What does he do on the seventh day? Just to make sure you haven't fell asleep, you're not taking the resting literally. God rested. Second chapter of the Bible. And it's important, he's not tired. God doesn't get tired it's not because he's exhausted it's not because he's worn out because God wanted to place something deep within creation in our bones into our week into our practices he wanted to model something to us he wanted to show us that we can stop that even God can rest 
that we can stop and admire God and spend a day or spend a moment in our week to worship and enjoy what he's blessed us with and him. And I guess this sets the benchmark because if the creator of the universe can rest, then you can't be too important to rest. You can't be too full on, too busy if the creator of the universe can take a day out of his week to rest. Creation yearns for it. God has placed it in there. It's in the very foundation of our creation. And this is what the first story was trying to tell us. Christians, in the foundation of who we are, in the foundation of creation, is this pattern of rest. First story. Second story. This passage mentions Joshua. Talks about Joshua. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about it another day. For them, just mentioning the name Joshua was like me mentioning Neil's shirt. They didn't have to think about it. It just, oh, that's our story. That's Joshua. We know that's who we were. They, they know that story. But I'll explain a little bit for us today because it may not necessarily be our story. You see, they knew as soon as they heard the word Joshua and rest, they knew it was talking about Joshua taking over from Moses and leading the people into the promised land. So Joshua, Moses took him out of Egypt. Joshua took over and took the Israelites into the promised land. Now the promised land wasn't just about getting a nice new home. It was about having a home, an identity, a place. You've got to remember the only definition these guys had, two things they thought they were. <laughs> Captives to the Egyptians and then by this generation, they are now just wanderers in the desert without a home, without a place to literally lay their head. A place to rest. A promised land. And so if you were a Hebrew at the time, Jewish person at the time, you would just, something would resonate deep within you about a home, an identity. Because what happened is, <laughs> humans happened they got the promised land it was great it was fantastic and then they messed it up they get it they get rest and then they just mess it up and so God lets them leaves them to their own consequences and they get taken over and even when this was written and even today we see the wars in the Middle East there is no rest for those people there is no exact home for those people and so when we read this, we think about a promised land to come. A place that we can rest. A place that we can call home. The other thing they know is, and Jesus and Joshua, the word, actually the same in Hebrew. Joshua and Jesus come from the same word. And so when the writer here, who they believe is Paul, says, Joshua didn't take him to the rest. They know it's a bit of a, a pun, if you will. They're saying, but the today's Joshua will lead us to rest. They know full rest, eternal rest wasn't found in Joshua, but it can be found in Jesus, the promised land, the kingdom to come. 
It's a promise. The second story is a promise, not just of a location, but in the goodness of God and that our soul can rest in that. That's why the writer briefly mentions Joshua in that passage. God fulfills his promises. <laughs> is that what you were talking about? I did, I did these slides up really neat and then I converted them to work on this. It's not Miriam's fault. My fault and it's just gone whack. So yeah, so much space for activities there. But anyway, God fulfills promises. Third story. King David. King David is quoted in this passage. Now, if you knew who King David was, we probably know who King David was, but for the people of, again, the people of the time, like Neil's T-shirt, it was their story. It was the greatest leader they'd ever had. God actually says, this is a man after my own heart. He was that good. But they use David's prophecy, they actually quote his prophecy, that David actually said that there would be a greater king to come. To not harden our hearts when we hear his voice. David said that thousands of years, or hundreds of years before Jesus came. He said, there'll be one after me that comes. And so again, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't rest in the king, the good king. Don't rest in your leaders. That won't fulfill. Rest in the true king. Rest in Jesus. In Jesus, we have hope. Nothing else will do. In Jesus, as our king, we can find rest. And so the third point, the third story in this is God is in control. We'll see how much space. Oh, that one turned out all right. That's all right. <laughs> God is in control. When we come to godly rest, the writer is using as many stories as he can to explain that God has got this. God is, uh, fulfills his promises. And God is in control. He's encouraging people that in this insane season that we live in, in a life that can be difficult, really difficult, we can find assurance, promise, joy and rest. With Jesus, in Jesus and in the hope of his kingdom fully come one day. So breathe in, breathe out because that's the invitation. And I want to talk about the challenge next. That's the invitation the writer is giving us to acknowledge God and the rest that we can enter. So there's two challenges this morning. And I'm only going to go on one. And we'll talk about the other this afternoon at 4pm. We can podcast it later. Two words the writer uses for rest in this passage. This is the first one. The second one is extremely practical and needs some discussion. The first one is find rest in God. Anyone want to have a go at pronouncing this? Josh, you've done two months of Bible college? <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I won't do it because I won't show you up, but that's pretty good actually. So, um, and it means, 
it's this posture. It's a posture before God. It's not a day of the week. It's not a moment. It's a posture before God that he's in control. Every day, he's in control. And even in the most excruciating moments, I can find rest in at least who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. It's an assurance. An assurance that God fulfilled the promises with Joshua. That God has a promised land for us, that he's got this. That God is the king, he's a better king than even King David could ever be. And through the chaos, he's in charge and he's at work now and in the kingdom to come. So what does this look like, Steve? What does this really look like? Let me tell you a story. We had a coffee van last week here at the um, church. It was great. And we do that for the bigger events and it's good. I like coffee. Wasn't the original person we get to do the coffee. I rang them up. Um, There's a lady, a young mum, and she comes and does a coffee out here. Ring her up. Um, actually, I text her. She didn't answer, so I rang, didn't get an answer, and so I left it. And then I got a call the next day from her sister. Um, and I said, I'm just calling about the coffee van, see if you could come this Sunday. Holding back the tears, she said, she's passed away. Um, aneurysm. Just suddenly. We literally, three weeks ago, had her and her daughter out here making us coffees. I don't say this to try to drum up emotion. I say this because this is how just, I was, I was just like this. That's how I was talking. Oh, okay. All right. And we, had a, we did actually have a great chat um, about church and if she had a community around her and the sister who was now sort of the mum for these kids just all of a sudden. That's the world we live in. I don't want to sugarcoat it. That's the world we live in. That's the intensity of some days, how broken this place can be. And I don't have answers for her. I didn't have answers for this lady in the sense of can't explain every detail, can't explain what God is actually doing in that moment at all. So confusing. There seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to it. But as a believer in Jesus, as a student of him, in amongst that confusion as I sat in my office and thought and processed that, I can rest in God. Because I know the Bible, I know the stories, I feel his spirit and I see the work in people's lives. And although I don't understand it fully, I know he's good. I know he's good. He's a good, good God. For the people of the Hebrew time, they knew that through King David. They knew through that through Joshua. They knew through that through Moses. Think about this morning. Yes, think about the Bible stories, but also think about your own life. Look back and think about the constant moments that God is good. If you've known him, if you don't know him, then please come. Let me introduce you to him. Think about the way God is good. And we can enter even in the most hectic moments. We can enter his rest. This passage is a call for an action though, a challenge. It's a call for a daily surrender. It's a daily step into the unknown and sometimes confusing nature of life. 
I know in this room, everybody has faced things in this room that in the moment felt like the ground beneath them was crumbling. Devastating things, unforeseen things, confusing things. Probably just the last few months for a lot of us. So can I ask you this? And if you don't know Jesus this morning or you're not sure about him, can I ask you this as well? What good was the stuff that the world tells us we rest on? How good was that for you when the ground beneath your feet disappeared? What good was the plans you had made in those moments? What good was your technology? Actually, what good was your degree or expertise in a certain field in that moment? Your five-year goal, which is good to have, but what good was it in that moment? Did it help? Our hard work we'd put in, our bank balance. Seriously, in those moments, as you reflect on those moments we all have, what good was any of it to bring our soul's rest at that time? Seriously, when we're met with something that's uncontrollable, how quickly does that stuff fall away? How quickly does that stuff not matter? Who on their deathbed says any of that stuff matters? I wish I had a little bit more. wish I'd worked a bit harder. wish I'd really applied myself. wish I had <laughs> updated my iPhone when I could do it for free. They don't say any of that. There's nothing in this world that we can truly rest in but the one who turns it the one who has formed it and the one who's proved time and time and time again, especially through the cross, that we can count on him, that we can rest in him. Actually, he positions that surrender as a choice though. Actually challenges us. It goes one step deeper with that. It actually says... That is actually a choice to not enter the rest, right? That Joshua story I spoke about ties into another story that they would have just known, instantly known. They would have just, oh, he's mentioning Joshua. He's talking about the promised land. He's also uh, challenging us with this. So what you may or may not know is Moses took the Israelites out of captivity he supplied food, he supplied water, he supplied everything they needed. He gave them an identity, a way to live, a way to him to live amongst them. Then they get to the edge of the promised land and the people go, we're a little bit comfortable now. <laughs> we're, kinda, we're desert people, that's who we are. We're, th- those guys look super big that live in the promised land. I don't know if we can trust you, God. God goes, okay, don't trust me. And so that generation had to die out 40 years in the desert, in eyesight of the promised land. Joshua grew up and then when they were ready, he took them into that rest, into that promised land, into that identity. There's a really big challenge here for us. God's not going to force his rest upon us. We have a choice in an extremely confusing place 2018 is. Where we live with curveball after curveball 
of different things that we face and you just have to turn on the news to go, I don't know what's going on. So I'm not trying to paint that it's all bad, but it's confusing. To live in an unknown world, to live with loss, to live with change. We can live full of anxiety, stress and confusion like those left in a desert for 40 years. We can live in a constant state of concern, pretending that we have some sort of control of it all. Or we can lean and practice and remind ourselves of our story. The story of the cross, the story of God's goodness to us, the story of God's promises, and God's relentless pursuit and love for us. Through Jesus, it was finished, which is a 2008 way of saying, I've got this. I've got it. And we can trust him and give it to him and enter this rest. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. It's a practice. It's a practice. I'm going to talk a little bit about the other word this afternoon, which is an actual literal practice of not a daily Sabbath, but of a scheduling time to actually practice rest. And you'll hear a little bit more of that this afternoon, but me and Mez have been trying to do it. And it's so hard. It's so hard to stop. It's so hard to stop your mind. It's so hard to not look at your phone. It's so hard to rest in God for the, for the day or half a day or however we choose to have a look at it this afternoon. But it's really hard. It takes practice. Each day, God, you've got this. Each day, you've got me. And so what we're going to do, we've only just got a couple more minutes, but what I'm going to do, we're not going to have finish the last song, um, mostly because Samal and Kirsten moved house yesterday and had to get, take back their truck. <laughs> and so they're in their truck at the moment taking it back. And so we don't have a band. But the other reason is, um, I'd like to invite Neil down, just for a moment, just down the front. Um, John, if that's okay, I'd like you to come down and, and maybe um, Sarah, if that's okay. And look, just for a moment, I'm going to pray. And then while I pray, after I pray, we're going to finish off. But if, you'd like, if you feel like you'd like to be prayed for, to help surrender some things and enter that rest... Just a reminder for God to stir, for God, something might be going on in your life. You don't have to talk about it all. You can talk about it all. But these three guys are going to be, guys and girl, <laughs> going to be here. And I hope they'd love to pray for you. And um, they might even ask you to pray for them, that us as a church can be a church of, that is leaning into God's rest. The final thought, a lot of people say to me, I'm not comfortable with standing out in the middle of surface and sharing the gospel how do I share the gospel? This is one massive way. If in the very bones of who we are as people is this rest, then one of the most powerful ways you can point to the Almighty and Jesus is live your life as someone that doesn't have it perfect, but that is deeply rested in God. When something happens at work, you might react but they see something within you that's okay because God's got this. It's like <laughs> bees to honey. Like it literally, it'll bring them. What is going on with Burley Church? They seem like they've got something else. If you're not an evangelist that can get up and preach the gospel, simply try this and watch people draw near to you 
because there's something else you base your life on and it's rest. Let me pray. Please feel free to come through and then we'll head out to morning tea and um, yeah, we'll finish the service. Father God, it's a confusing time. It's a busy time, Lord. And I just ask as a church congregation, Lord, that you would help us enter your rest. Not just this morning, but a daily surrender to your control, your big picture, your vision, your spirit, your promises, your goodness. Whatever's going on in our life, whatever's coming up in our life, whatever's been in our life, Lord, speak into that. Let us rest in the confusion, in the chaos, in the sadness. Let us rest in you, Lord. Father, if you want to speak to us now, if your spirit wants to stir in some particular thing now, Lord, I pray that it does. And I pray that we uh, approach the three people down the front here to deal with that this morning, Lord, to let that go so that we may walk away (laughs) more rested or better prepared to surrender to you this week. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you that you want to make our light, our load lighter, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. That concludes our service. Love to come and have morning tea with you. If you feel like you'd like some prayer, these guys are just going to, I'm going to invite these guys to stay around for just a little bit and come on down. We'd love to pray for you.